Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, September 7th, 2022. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell, and as always, if you're listening to this, that means you made it through another week and margaritas are in order. Now, I give you that same intro week in and week out, and every week at this point in the episode, I try to give you a reason to go get some margaritas. And I always say something like, uh, like you need more of a reason other than it's Friday and you're a grown-ass adult. But I always try to give you a reason. I always try to give you something that's going on that particular weekend. Hey, it's my kid's birthday weekend. Hey, it's the 4th of July weekend. Hey, it's this weekend. Hey, it's that weekend. So I, I, I give you a reason to raise a glass and celebrate this particular weekend. And, and this weekend is no different. I, ha- I have a reason for you to go get yourself some margaritas. Go get yourself a pitcher of margaritas, your flavor, your 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 taste, you know, dealer's choice. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when you raise that first glass of margaritas, uh, you can do so in honor of my asshole. That's right, I said, my asshole. Because on Monday, the tenth, your boy goes in for a colonoscopy. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I am I am a mere 3 days away from my asshole going from exit only to all are welcome. So go get yourself a pitcher of margaritas. Uh I suggest multiple frozen and strawberry and uh raise a glass in honor of my asshole because it will never be the same again. And I got to be honest with you, uh, if there's one part about modern medicine that I am truly thankful for, if there's one aspect of this entire process, I am truly thankful for it's that they're going to knock me the fuck out for this procedure and they better knock me all the way the fuck out and I mean all the way the fuck out I don't want even a vivid memory a remote memory of this let alone a vivid memory of this I don't want any recollection of this whatsoever I don't even want to be like well you know just as soon as the tip started to insert is when I went under so I wasn't up awake for too much I, no I don't want to know any of it I want to be talking to somebody in a doctor's uh, uh, coat uh, doctor's scrubs and having them tell me some stupid ass funny story and the next thing you know I'm waking up uh, in the recovery room I don't want to know shit about you anally probing me I got to tell you something, man. When, when the age odometer rolls over to 5-0, shit gets different. Shit gets hanky. Shit goes sideways rapidly. 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 But anyway, that's your reason to go get some margaritas this, way, this weekend. Do so in honor of your boy's bunghole. God damn, what a year. What a fucking year. Had a cataract surgery in April. Had a full right hip replacement in June. I'm getting my asshole anally explored in October. I still have to do my sleep study. It has been a, a, a year of... Uh, it, it's been a year of doctor's appointments, if I could be completely blunt with you. And I mean doctor's appointments out the fucking ass. No pun intended. And with those doctor's appointments, I might just add on, comes an assload of payments. I mean, a hemorrhaging of money. 
Every time I have to see my doctor, it's a $55 copay. Every time I have to see a specialist, it's a $75 copay. I have I have given more people $75 at a crack this year than I ever have in my entire life. I probably would have spent less money if I was smoking crack. <clears throat> it, it, is, it has been a year. Whew. And of all the years that that shit could land, right? Of all the years for me to have a record number, a personal record number of doctor's visits, it, it comes in a year in which inflation is through the roof and we're paying double for everything. So it's been a fun year for you, boy. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a uh, oh, you want some money? Well, get in fucking line. Everybody else is taking some kind of year. But that's where we're at. We're going to go uh, cave exploring on Monday. Uh, no, I will not be making any TikToks about it. And no, I shan't be going live. So uh, those are all going to be big old negatives for me. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode. We're going to get into the shit we're going to talk about this week in just a moment after uh, we do the typical weekly housekeeping for the folks that are finding us uh, for the first time. If you are finding this podcast for the very first time, if this is the first time you're listening, uh, there are a couple of things that you need to know about this podcast. One, this is an amateur podcast. It is not done in a studio. I don't have a producer, an editor. I, I'm not in a soundproof booth. I'm in my home office with a $100 mic and a, a, a laptop that's literally going on five years old. Uh, if you hear some background noise, just roll with it. Because you're going to hear some background noise. Fuck, I got a fan in the window right now so I don't hotbox the office. You know what I mean? Just kind of roll with it. It's not meant to be a finished, polished product. It's meant to be like two people sitting on the deck shooting the shit. So that's the first thing you need to know. The second thing you need to know is my website. Because chances are, if you're finding me for the first time now, uh, you don't know shit about my website. So if you have a moment, swing by oldhippymedia.com. That's oldhippie, H-I-P-P-I-E, media.com. There you're going to find everything you want to know about me, including uh, my blog, links on where you can follow me on the various social media sites, link to my YouTube channel, link to my uh, my Clapper, my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, all even a link to my uh, LinkedIn tree. You're going to find a link to my uh, my merch store. I, I do have an e-commerce store, over 400 items to choose from. Holiday merch will be coming back soon. Uh, you're going to find a link on where you can book me on Cameo. If you want to do a video shout-out to somebody, I can do that over on Cameo. You're also going to find a link on where you can buy my first two books in paperback or ebook formats. Uh, they are entitled A Grateful Life, The Life Story of a Husband, Father, and Taco-Loving Deadhead, and Dearest Renee, Letters from the Coronavirus War of 2020. Uh, and last but definitely not least, you're going to find a link on where you can uh, subscribe to my Patreon subscription service. Uh, I do this podcast that you're listening to right now every Friday for free. And it is uh, available on multiple platforms. And we discuss mainly politics here. Not all politics, but mainly politics here. And on uh, Patreon, I do bonus uh, podcast episodes every other week. And it's politics-free. And I include personal stories from my past. The cost for that is $4.20 a month. Not an episode, a month. So, uh, you really, you can't go wrong, right? So... Uh, head over to oldhippymedia.com. Once again, that's oldhippie, H-I-P-P-I-E, media.com. Give, give it a look. Go uh, follow me on the various social media sites. I just had to start a new Instagram account. 
So I'm trying to uh, get my Instagram uh, following back up uh, and running. As a matter of fact, I think I have to change the link on my website. Uh, I think it's, it's it's updated on my Beacons page, but not on my website. So I'll have to take care of that this weekend. But anyway, head over to oldhippymedia.com. Check it out. Maybe order a book, T-shirt, hoodie. Starting to get chilly. You know, you never know. Anyway, that's the last we're going to talk about that because I don't like to turn this uh, podcast into a, an hour-long advertisement for myself. So uh, we're going to move right into what we're going to talk about this week. And while we do talk about politics and a little bit of culture, uh, during the football season, I, I start this segment off every week with my football picks sure to go wrong. Um, with a couple of brief notes from the week before, I'll keep this extraordinarily short because uh, my wife listens and she doesn't care to listen to the football side anyway, but I, I got to do it because I love the, the, the pigskin. Last week, I went seven and eight. I know, shocker, right? <laughs> I was one under 500. Uh, seven and eight last week, bringing my overall season record picking games to 27, 32, and one. And before anybody even remotely thinks of sending me a message or an email telling me they lost money on my picks, I told you motherfuckers not to bet with these picks, so I don't want to fucking hear it. I warned you in the beginning, do not bet with these picks. I do not have a ton of notes from last week other than this. Uh, my Colts lost again. They looked miserable doing it. The Bears lost again. They looked miserable doing it. Uh, those are the two teams I zone, on, zone in on the most because I live in the Chicagoland area and I'm a Colts fan. Uh, but outside of that, the only real note I have from last week's games uh, is the fact that the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, remain as the only undefeated team in the league sitting there at 4-0. and oh. That's impressive. Considering I had the Eagles winning their division, but I didn't have them starting like this. Not by a long shot. But there they are, sitting at 4-0, the last undefeated team in the league. I'm also going to add this one last note in. It's got nothing to do with any specific game last week, but I'm just going to go old man on here if I could for a minute, okay? Defensive players shouldn't be wearing single-digit numbers. I said what I said, fight me. Defensive players shouldn't be wearing single I'm I am a football traditionalist. And certain number groups belong to certain position groups. Okay? From 0 to 19, that is your kickers and your quarterbacks. The lower the number should be the kicker. The higher the number should be the quarterback. But any number between 0 and, and 19, you're talking kickers and quarterbacks. And in, in, in reality, 0 to 19 is quarterbacks. 0 to 9 are really your, your kickers. In, in in traditional format, okay? Your 30s, those are your running backs. 30s, running backs, okay? We're going to skip over the 50, uh, 40s for a minute. We're going to go to the 50s. 50s, linebackers. 60s and 70s, along with 90s. So that entire group, all of the 60s, all of the 70s, and all of the 90s, those are your linemen on both sides of the ball. Offensive and defensive linemen. Okay? 80s are your wide receivers. 40s actually are on both sides of the ball. Your 40s should be your safeties, your, your deep DBs. 
and your fullbacks on the offensive side. And, and listen, I don't care if anybody hears this and goes, wow, you are just a get-off-my-lawn old man at this stage in your life. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it should be. I don't fucking care. I- I'm going to die on this hill. Defensive players should not be wearing single-digit numbers. I said what the fuck I said. All right, having said that, let me go ahead and get into the picks this week. Um, as always, I do not do the Thursday game. I'm actually recording this on Thursday at 4.19 p.m. Central Time. So the Thursday game hasn't happened, but this doesn't air until Friday morning, so I don't even want the hint of, uh, oh, well, he says he doesn't, you know, he do, he records it on Thursday, but he could have recorded it on Friday. He's always right on the Thursday games. So I just, I, I just forego the Thursday games. So, with the exception of the Thursday games, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tell you who I think is going to win. I think the Broncos are going to fucking destroy the Colts. And, and, you know, you're listening to this on Friday. I'm recording it on Thursday. They're playing tonight. I think the Colts are going to get the fucking shit kicked out of them. But we'll see what happens uh, later on tonight. This week's official picks, minus the Thursday game, will be the Packers, Bills, Chargers, Jaguars, Vikings, Patriots, Seahawks, Jets, Bucks, Titans, 49ers, Eagles, Rams, Ravens, and the Chiefs. And there is this week's, there are this week's picks sure to go wrong. We typically, we meaning I, because I don't have a guest on this show yet, I typically talk politics starting now and going forward. And and that's what we're going to talk a lot of politics this year, or this week. Uh, But I want to start with like a non-political story here. I want to start with a new term that has taken over the American lexicon. It's taken over the the workplace vernacular. Uh, And it's the term quiet quitting I'm sure by now you've heard this term quiet quitting and and you've seen a bunch of stories about it um, if you don't know what quiet quitting is that's where a person does the absolute bare minimum at work never going above and beyond and never working outside the parameters of their job and their work hours ever um, and I gotta I gotta tell you if Personally, I'm torn on this idea. I understand why someone would want to do that if they work for an absolute asshole, if they work for a company that doesn't ever take care of them, if they work for a company that that um, that isn't uh, appreciative of their work. I can understand why somebody uh, w- would want to quiet quit at their place of employment. But I also know from personal experience that going above and beyond is how you get the promotion and the raise. Now, there are a lot of people in today's day and age in the United States of America that are anti-capitalistic, and they think that CEOs and bosses shouldn't exist, and that everybody should be sharing uh, in the wealth equally. I don't subscribe to that particular philosophy. I also don't subscribe to the philosophy, philosophy that these CEOs should be making billions of dollars while the people below them uh, have to be on government assistance. I, there's a there's a happy median in between, medium in between. Uh, 
I'm of the opinion that as long as the people that work below you are taken care of fairly, not just bare minimum, but bare, but fairly taken care of, then you as, as an owner should be able to go out and earn as much money as you want. So I know from my own personal experience that going above and beyond is how you get the promotion, how you get the race. It's how I went from being a laborer on a landscape crew to being an assistant foreman on a landscape crew to being a foreman on a landscape crew to eventually being moved to superintendent, managing multiple crews, to eventually being moved to project manager, uh, managing multiple crews on multi-million dollar job sites throughout the Chicagoland area. I did that because I went above and beyond. Additionally, as a business owner myself, I want to reward the guy or gal that goes above and beyond while I'm just okay with the guy who knowingly never goes above and beyond. And, and, and maybe it's a different way of looking at things because who I am in the, in, in the era I came from, but I look at myself having gone above and beyond. I look at myself and my wife having gone above and beyond, and I, and I say to myself, well, we managed to get to the positions where we got to in our, in our fields because of that aspect. You know, my wife is doing things, <laughs> my wife is doing things in her field that women don't do. And she's getting paid. People, people are always like, well, fuck, man, how much does your wife make? How much does your wife make? How much does your wife make? <clears throat> Let me, I'm not going to tell you how much my wife makes because it's really nobody's business how much she makes. But I will tell you this. Um, they stopped taking taxes or uh, uh, Social Security deductions, Social Security uh, tax withdrawals out of your paycheck once you surpass 143 or 147,000. I can't remember what they moved it to this year. $147,000 in, in income for the year. And at some point in time, my wife hits that, and then she no longer pays um, Social Security deductions out of her paycheck. So you can you can go with that. She makes over one hundred and fifty, and it's well over one hundred and fifty. But she did that by going above and beyond. She got to that point because she made herself. An indisposable asset. Now, everybody is disposable. Everybody is. But you understand what I'm saying when I said she made herself an indisposable asset. She made herself worth that to the people she works for. And she did that by going above and beyond. The, the concept of quiet quitting certainly is an interesting concept. And it makes for interesting conversation. I just look at it through my own eyes, and I know I was able to get where I am today partially because I went above and beyond. My wife was able to get where she is today partially because she goes above and beyond. I am also keenly aware that while I was going above and beyond, while my wife was going above and beyond, we didn't have a true work-life balance. It leaned heavier one side than the other. I will admit that. But there is a balance to be had between work and life, even when you go above and beyond to some degree. 
So I, I, I just wanted to throw my two cents out there on that uh, whole idea of quiet quitting and say I understand why people are doing it. I understand the concept behind it. I also understand there is something to be said for going above and beyond because it can get you places. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a high school dropout who didn't know dick about fuck when it came to the landscape industry. I felt ass backwards in the landscape. I needed a job, and I got a job mowing lawns for some small-time landscape contractor out of Berwyn, Illinois. And that turned into a 26-year career because I went above and beyond. So just something to think about when it comes to the whole notion of quiet quitting. Uh, I would like to uh, offer one more note here before we get into the news stories from the past week. And it's a news story from this week, but it just happened. As I said, I'm recording this on uh, Thursday afternoon. It is now 4.27 p.m. on Thursday afternoon. And uh, just this afternoon, it was announced that uh, President Biden is taking executive action on uh, marijuana. Now, what he's done is, a, in all honesty, an incremental step, but a big one considering it's Biden. So what he did was he pardoned all federal uh, prisoners that were in prison for small possession cases. He pardoned a fuck ton of people. Uh, in addition, he's asking the the governors of the various states to pardon state-level possession offenders and get them out of jail as well. And he's asked um, uh, his administration to look into and begin the process of possibly rescheduling marijuana. Not necessarily legalizing it, but maybe rescheduling it to make it, it, it more of a decriminalization effort. Now, is this... Is this necessarily a huge step? Yes and no. A whole bunch of people just got out of prison or just got pardoned for their sentences. Uh, to them, it's a huge deal. A huge deal. A- and critically important. The rescheduling is nice if we can get it done, but it stops shy of actual legalization. It's huge in that a bunch of people are getting out of prison and it's being done by a gentleman in Joe Biden who still openly believes that marijuana is a, is an addictive gateway drug. I didn't think we would even get this out of a Biden administration. So this tells me that the powers behind the scenes, the, the, the marijuana lobbyists behind the scenes, uh, the, the conversations that we don't see behind closed doors are starting to have an effect on this administration and could potentially be having an effect on Congress as a whole. Because if there's one thing that Congress does like, and this is on both sides of the aisle, uh, it's their revenue. It, it's like it, They like it when they can bring money in to do things. Both sides do. And they're starting to see from the state-level legalizations uh, that there's a fucking shitload of money to be had. So everybody, you know, big, big breath. Let's see where this leads to. Uh, take a deep breath. Let's see where this leads to. It, it's it's a good step. It's a step in the right direction. It's huge for the people that are getting pardons. But more needs to be done. For sure, more needs to be done. We need to keep putting pressure on our elected officials. We need to keep uh, supporting organizations like Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Uh, check it out. They've got a branch in your state. I guarantee it. 
and see how you can get involved, do some reading with their organization, and uh, let's continue to push them. I would love to see marijuana federally legalized in my lifetime. So let's see if we can't make that happen before uh, it's time for me to go take ye old dirt nap, okay? All right, so now into the other stories that I already had written notes down before I uh, even saw that story breaking right before I went on air. Uh, let's talk about the hurricane and the state of Florida. As you know, Ian hit the state of Florida, and uh, it was time to once again begin discussing disaster aid. And don't you know, every Florida Republican either voted no on Ian Relief or couldn't be bothered to show up. Because tribalism. On Friday, Senators Marco Rubio and Rick Scott sent a, a joint letter, Friday of last week, sent a joint letter uh, to the Senate Appropriations Committee chairs asking for funding to, quote, provide much-needed assistance to Florida, end quote, after Hurricane Ian tore through the state, leaving a path of destruction and 83 people in Florida dead as of this past Monday. I don't even know what that number is as of the time I'm coming on the air, but I know that that number is going to go up. Quote, a robust and timely federal response, including uh, through supplemental programs and funding, will be required to ensure that sufficient resources are provided to rebuild critical infrastructure and public service services capacities and to assist our fellow Floridians in rebuilding their lives, the letter read. However, just one day earlier, both Republican senators refused to vote for the stopgap spending bill that the Senate passed on Thursday, and which included about $18.8 billion in additional funding for the Federal Emergency Management Agency, otherwise known as FEMA, to respond to Hurricane Eden. Ian. Scott, one of the senators in Florida, voted against it, and Rubio didn't bother to vote at all. In fact, all 25 senators who refused to vote for the bill were Republicans. Now, they're leaning on the fact that uh, there was money for other things. There's billions of dollars for Ukraine, and there's money for a roof for this, and there's money for this. It's not all for Florida. So you're going to fuck your own constituents because not all of the money that was going uh, into the bill was for Florida. Listen... Let me give you the bottom line. I made a TikTok about this earlier in the week. I think it's grotesque that members of Congress can tack on their pet projects. I think it's grotesque that you could be funding the military and tack on, well, we also need $87,000 to study the migratory habits of albino butterflies in the African rainforest, or whatever the fucking case may be. I, I think it's grotesque that they can do that. But the fact of the matter is, that's the world that we live in. They can earmark shit. And both sides do it all the fucking time. Republicans want to stand on their high and mighty horse and say, I'm not going to vote for this if it has earmarks in it. But when a Republican is in the White House and disaster relief comes along that has earmarks in it, then they vote for it. See Hurricane Harvey relief. You want to know what was attached to Hurricane Harvey relief? The, the hurricane that hit Texas? An increase in the, uh, um, the debt ceiling. You want to know who negotiated that deal? 
Trump negotiated with Senate Democrats a debt ceiling increase. And that's when the Democrats were in the minority. He didn't need to negotiate that. They could have done away with the filibuster, passed Harvey Aid, and gotten it rammed right through. So both parties do it. Both parties are guilty of it. But yet the Republicans only want to stand on their moral high ground when a Democrat's in office. So I say, fuck them. Don't send any more money to Florida. All of the Republicans in Florida said no. I'm not voting for this. Then don't fucking send them anything. I think a new law should be enacted that states if your uh, that uh, states that if your state is to get disaster relief money, then the representatives in your state have to at least vote for it. Every fucking Republican voted against it or couldn't bother to vote for it at all. Don't send them a fucking dime. Let them figure it out. Let Ron DeSantis figure this one out all on his own. The Republican Party is pure hypocrisy. There is no shortage of hypocrisy on the left either, my friends. But the Republican Party, it is pure concentrated uh, hypocrisy at this point in time. The Republican Party, as constituted in 2022, doesn't have a moral fiber in its body. Everything that they claim to stand for, they drop at the first sign of trouble. Everything. See Herschel Walker in Georgia. You guys been following this story? Herschel Walker, Republican candidate for senator in uh, Senate in Georgia, running against incumbent uh, Democrat Raphael Warnock, had a very bad week. And I mean a very bad week. First, a woman comes forward with receipts alleging Herschel Walker paid for her to have an abortion. She came forward claiming that she got pregnant by Herschel Walker. He pressured her to get an abortion. She did. He paid her for that, plus a little something, you know, for the effort. And then covered it up. From the start, Republican leaders knew they were taking a risk in uh, quickly unifying behind Herschel Walker. Apparently, they all knew that he had this abortion uh, in, in his closet. But they ran with him anyway. And then, after this woman comes forward, Herschel Walker's son, Christian Walker, who, listen, is guilty himself of spreading propaganda lies and bullshit. So let's not all pretend Christian Walker is some kind of a fucking hero. But at least for once in his life, he came forward and did the right thing, and he called his father out. Called his father out uh, in a video on social media. Said he's, he's lying through his fucking teeth. It's all been a lie. The entire family told him not to run for office. He's never raised any of his fucking kids. He's lied on all of his kids. He's lied on all of his, uh, the women that he's had uh, children with. Do not vote, basically, for Herschel Walker. And then what do we find out? After Herschel Walker goes on TV and on the radio to deny all of these allegations and and play 
the game like he doesn't even know who this woman is. I never even heard of this woman. I, you know, some woman out there lying on me, he said. She's out there lying on me. Turns out, not only does he know who she is, she's the mother of one of his children. He knows her very well. Very well. Now, when I made my video this week about Herschel Walker and his very, 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 very bad week, I said Herschel Walker is finished. That Raphael Warnock was going to retain that seat and Walker was not going to win. And people came out of the woodwork to say, Republicans, it, it won't matter to Republicans. They won't care. They're going to vote for him anyway. And sure as shit, we saw a flood of people come out this week and say, yeah, don't care. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. Still voting for him. But here's the thing. The thing that everybody's got to remember. Those people are the base. They were going to vote for him no matter what. I didn't say Herschel Walker was finished because I thought his base was going to leave him. His base will never leave the Republican vote. Ever. He's finished because this shit isn't going to fly with moderates and independents. And that's where elections are won and lost lost in the middle the the forever dems are going to always vote democrat the forever uh, republicans are going to always vote republican it's the people in the middle and the people in the middle are not going to vote for this man they're just not i believe herschel walker is finished in georgia that was a seat the republicans were kind of banking on flipping and they're not going to flip it now Raphael Warnock is going to retain his seat. Herschel Walker is going to be sent home licking his wounds. And the Republicans are hopefully going to learn a strong lesson in how not to pick shitty candidates. Uh, but you would think that they would have already learned that lesson. Given some of the candidates that they've put up in some of the states that they put up. But here we are, them touching the hot stove yet again by putting Herschel Walker up there. Uh, but... You know, God only knows what else is going to come out on Herschel Walker. Lord knows how many more women are going to come forward. Lord knows how many more abortions he's paid for. Lord knows how many more family members are going to take to social media to tell everybody what a horrible human being he is. The independents in Georgia, I cannot see them breaking for Herschel Walker. I, I just can't. Could be wrong. Don't think I am. All right. We are going to move into news about Trump land. And usually there's one or two Trump land news stories every week that make the cut, but we have a few of them, so give me a minute to round my edges. Hang on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, that's what I'm talking about. It's kind of needed when we're going to jump into a string of stories about Trump and, and the lunacy that is Trump land. Okay. Let's get into it. First, we have Trump suing CNN for $475 million for hurting his feelings. Yeah. Yeah, this case is going nowhere. And uh, I need to know what lawyer is actually uh, taking this farce of a case for him. I'm going to read to you now from the AP News. 
Former President Donald Trump on Monday sued CNN seeking $475 million in damages, saying the network had defamed him in an effort to short-circuit any future political campaign. The lawsuit, filed in U.S. District Court in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, focuses primarily on the term, the big lie, about Trump's false claims of widespread voter fraud that he says cost him the 2020 presidential election. CNN said it had no comment on the lawsuit. Trump repeatedly attacked CNN as president, which resonated with his conservative followers, and Trump didn't like the stories that CNN was putting out about him. He has similarly filed lawsuits against big tech companies with little success in the past. His case against Twitter for knocking him off of his platform following uh, the January 6, 2020 Capitol insurrection was thrown out by a California judge earlier in the year. Numerous federal and local election officials in both parties, a long list of courts, uh, top former campaign staffers and even Trump's own attorney general have all said there is no evidence of the election fraud that he alleges. Trump's lawsuit claims that the big lie, a phrase with Nazi connotations, has been used in reference to him more than 7,700 times on CNN since January 2021. Quote, it is intended to aggravate, scare, and trigger people, he said. Trigger people? You're suing a news entity for almost half a billion dollars because the truth triggered you? What, do you need a safe space? Is your diaper full? Are you fucking kidding me? A half a billion dollar lawsuit? For telling the truth. Trump's going to get his ass kicked in this lawsuit just like he gets his ass kicked in damn near every lawsuit he ever files. This case is going nowhere. Nowhere. And I can't find the name of the lawyer who actually took this grotesque example of uh, of lawsuit happiness coming out of Florida. Oh, I'm getting a phone call. Hang on, I'll be right back. Sorry about that. Um, still getting, like, sales calls left and right. Your company qualifies for a half a million dollars in additional financing. Do you need some new equipment? Yeah, motherfucker, I could use 20 new semis. Why don't you drop a million in my account? Sure, sure. Uh, what's the revenue for Powell Landscaping in the last 12 months? Motherfuckers, Powell Landscaping has been out of business for going on five fucking years. Why are you still calling me about it? I shut that shit down in 2018. I'm still getting calls. <sighs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph. And that is why we are allowed to buy alcohol and marijuana. That's why. All right, moving on. Uh, we were talking about Trump being triggered, so he's suing somebody for $450 million. Uh, wait till uh, you see how triggered he gets with the uh, trials that began this week. This week saw the Oath Keepers who have been partially working with the feds to reduce potential sentences, finally go on trial for uh, organizing and carrying out the January 6th attacks. 
from Politico. Leaders of the far-right Oath Keepers sought to end the country's uh, history of peaceful transitions of presidential power in order to keep Donald Trump in office. Prosecutors contended on Monday, opening the most significant trial yet to emerge from the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Quote, they concocted a plan for an armed rebellion to shatter a bedrock of American democracy, said Assistant Attorney General Jeffrey Nessler. The remarks to a jury were the first in the seditious conspiracy case being brought against five Oath Keeper leaders, part of what prosecutors described as a detailed and increasingly desperate bid to stop Congress from certifying Joe Biden's victory. Prosecutors say the group intended to back Trump's bid to stay in power, but decided to, quote, take matters into their own hands, end quote, after Trump and Vice President Mike Pence declined to invoke their most extreme options. Prosecutors say that the group's founder, Yale Law-educated Stuart Rhodes, let's just pause for a minute right there, Yale Law-educated Stuart Rhodes. I guess that's not indoctrination is it? When one of your guys goes and gets an Ivy League education, all of a sudden, it's no longer indoctrination. Unfucking believable. Anyway, prosecutors say the group's founder, Yale Law-educated Stuart Rhodes, developed a detailed plan to keep Trump in power, including by violent force if necessary. Prosecutors described Rhodes as, Rhodes as, quote, like a general, end quote, who surveyed his troops on Capitol grounds as they breached the building. And he said the group set up stockpiles of weapons just outside of Washington, D.C. to prepare for the possibility of a more violent uprising. Rhodes and four alleged co-conspirators are fighting a charge of seditious conspiracy, the most severe allegation leveled against any of the hundreds of January 6th defendants charged in the nearly two years since the riot. Prosecutors said Rhodes' Rhodes' plan involved a large network of co-conspirators that they said were, quote, too many to name, but that Rhodes and his four co-defendants were the leaders of the effort of all of these co-conspirators. One of those leaders, Florida Oath Keeper Kelly Meggs, told allies he specifically sought out Nancy Pelosi as he combed the halls around the House chamber. Quote, on the evening of January 6th, after Meggs told an associate that we busted in, the associate said he was hoping to see Nancy's head rolling down the front steps, Nestler recounted. Quote, and what did uh, Kelly Meggs confirm in response? We looked for her, she said. Rhodes and Meggs as well as uh, group members Jessica Watkins, Kenneth Harrelson, and Thomas Caldwell assembled teams of dozens of Oath Keepers from around the country who descended on Washington just ahead of the January 6th uh, certification. Prosecutors say they carefully honed a plan to disrupt the transfer of power and use the weeks before the election, uh, 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 between Election Day and January 6th, to advance their plans using encrypted communications and face-to-face meetings to hash out details. Some of those meetings were recorded by still anonymous Rhodes associates who Nestler said had become alarmed by the developing plans. On January 10th, four days after the attack, a cooperator recorded Rhodes saying it wasn't too late for Trump to act to stay in power, 
and that he had attempted to pass the outgoing president a message. <sighs> Rhodes, per the recording, lamented that the group, quote, should have brought rifles, end quote. Prosecutors say dozens of Oath Keepers, led by Rose, stockpiled some of their firearms at a Virginia hotel and prepared to lay siege to the Capitol to prevent the transfer of power to Joe Biden. They picked the Comfort Inn in Arlington's Virginia, Nestler said, because of its proximity to the highway that would take them straight to Washington, D.C. They also discussed plans to ferry the weapons across the Potomac by boat. They ultimately never deployed those weapons, but large factions of the group were among those who entered the Capitol clad in military-style gear and using radio equipment, claiming to seek out lawmakers to prevent Congress and Pence from certifying the election. In his own opener, Rhodes' attorney Philip Linder argued that everything the group did was legal and that they were primarily in Washington to perform security details for pro-Trump VIPs like Roger Stone, who were speaking at the rally on January 5th and 6th to protest Trump's defeat. Their decision to descend on the Capitol amid a pro-Trump mob that had already breached the building was not a carefully crafted plan, the defense contends. So wait a minute, your defense is they were just there, they didn't actually plan to be there? Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. The firearms they brought were lawfully possessed and never brought into D.C., where strict gun laws would have prohibited them. Rather, they were, quote, defensive in the event that Trump, quote, called them in, said the attorney. Called them in for what? Notably, Rhodes and his allies say they had been girding for the possibility that Trump would invoke the Insurrection Act as part of a bid to remain in power, a decision they contend could have permitted them to act as government-sanctioned militia. Quote, they were ready to react at Trump's request, Linder said, adding that Rhodes believed he was potentially needed to legally, quote, put down a riot, end quote. What? Linder added, you're going to find out that it's different than what the government has told you. Linder said Rhodes plans to testify in his own defense, noting that he had offered to do so before Congress, but was turned down. Linder emphasized, <clears throat> mm, sorry, all of a sudden got a little frog in my throat. <sighs> wow. God damn. How lovely for the frog, though, huh? Mm. Uh, Linder emphasized that the defense <clears throat> would add significant context to all of the messages highlighted by prosecutors that would show the government's case to be exaggerated or misleading. Listen. Uh, the defense in this case is full of shit, okay? They got these motherfuckers dead to right. These motherfuckers had been planning this shit for weeks. Since the defeat. Fuck, it goes back to before the defeat, actually. But since the defeat in November of 2020, they had been planning this shit. That there was no way they were going to let the certification take place. And they were going to stop the peaceful transfer of power and install a dictator over the will of the people. 
These people are about as un-American as you can possibly get. And with all due respect, I know that most of them probably don't listen to the shit that I talk about on this podcast, but if anybody from the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys or any of those other neo-Nazi fascist piece of shit cocksucking organizations happen to be listening to this, you are the most un-American scum I have ever laid eyes on. I hope they lock every one of you motherfuckers up for the maximum amount of time, and if any of you motherfuckers make it out of prison alive, I hope they deport your fucking ass to the nearest fucking country that's willing to take you scumbags. You don't deserve to live here. You are not American in the least bit. You are the exact opposite of American. You are an enemy to this nation, and you deserve every ounce of misery that ever comes your way. Fuck you and everything you stand for. Moving on. Uh, not surprisingly, Donnie has requested that the documents case, that would be the FBI going in and getting all of the top secret classified documents that Donnie possessed illegally at his Mar-a-Lago home in Florida, he's uh, requesting that the documents case be taken up by the Supreme Court. No, no, I'm not exaggerating. This is where we're going to find out if our institutions hold. This is where our institutions are going to get put to the test. From NBC News, former President Donald Trump filed an emergency request Tuesday asking the Supreme Court to intervene in the case involving classified records he kept at Mar-a-Lago after he left office. Trump's legal team asked the court to allow the special master to review classified documents federal agents seized from Trump's estate in Florida, but they did not ask the justices to prevent the Justice Department from using the documents as part of a criminal investigation, probably because they know that request would have surely guaranteed that the Supreme Court not take this case. In their request, Trump's attorney asked the court to vacate part of a ruling issued on September 21st by the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, which said that the Justice Department could resume using classified documents taken from Mar-a-Lago in its criminal investigation and barred the special master from reviewing them. The latter part of the appeals court decision, quote, impairs substantially the ongoing time-sensitive work of the special master, Trump's lawyer wrote in the filing Tuesday. Quote, moreover, any limit on the comprehensive and transparent review of materials seized in the extraordinary raid of the president's home erodes public confidence in our system of justice. The unanimous ruling last month by the three-judge panel, the former president's lawyer said, effectively comprised, quote, the integrity of the well-established policy against piecemeal appellate review and ignored the district court's broad discretion with justification. Justice Clarence Thomas, who handles emergency applications from the 11th Circuit, asked the Justice Department on Tuesday to file a response to Trump's request by October 11th at 5 p.m. Although Thomas could act on the application himself, it is most likely he will refer it to the full court, which won't act before it receives that response. Meaning the lower court ruling remains in place for now. To get what he wants, Trump would need five justices to agree with him. 
Now, although the court has a 6-3 conservative majority, including three justices that he appointed, Trump hasn't fared well in other such emergency applications, including his attempt to prevent White House documents from being handed over to the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol and his bid to avoid disclosure of his financial records to prosecutors in New York. So, what we have here is we have a newly created Supreme Court, and it is newly created in the era of Trump. you got to remember that this was a liberal Supreme Court prior to Mitch McConnell taking the unprecedented move of holding a seat open on that court for almost an entire year in order to deny Barack Obama the ability to fill that seat. It was already a liberal court at that point in time, and that was a conservative justice that died. So it would would have become an even more liberal Supreme Court had Obama been able to seat Merrick Garland. But with that one move, denying a sitting two-term president the ability to seat a Supreme Court justice, the steal of the Supreme Court was on. And in four years, they stole three seats. Flipping the power to conservative for a generation. We now have a 6-3 conservative Supreme Court, and Trump is asking them to get his ass out of a jam. Now we find out if America continues to be America. They've already overruled, uh, or overturned, I should say, Roe v. Wade. So we're already going backwards in American history. They're going after gay marriage next. They're going to go after the sodomy laws next. That, they've already said this. This is not me guessing. Okay, Their, their agenda, now that they've done away with uh, federal protections for abortion, their agenda now... Do away with federal protections for your right to contraceptions. Do away with your uh, uh, federal protections for gay marriage. And do away with your right to privacy in the bedroom. And now we're going to see if they're going to be willing to side with a former president having classified documents and we still don't know the extent of all of the classified documents after he leaves office. We're going to find out if our institutions actually hold. And this this right here was the truly dangerous part about Donald Trump being president. There were a lot of dangerous parts about Trump being president. There was uh, the emboldening emboldening of the racists and the homophobes and the sexists in this this country. There was the normalizing of treating people like shit because the president was an abusive bully himself. There was the danger of ruining our international relationships. Treating our allies like our enemies and our enemies and enemies like our allies. 
There was the financial danger of bad tax policy, bad economic policy, starting unnecessary trade wars, costing us billions of dollars in bailouts in the process, and, and I don't know how many farmers their livelihoods. All of those things were dangerous, true dangers to a Trump presidency. But this is the one that I feared the most. What I feared the most from a Trump presidency is what damage he was going to do to our institutions. What the country was going to be when he was no longer in office. Not what the country was going to be from the wake of devastation that he left behind, but how was he going to fundamentally transform this country? Which one of our cornerstone institutions was he going to erode the most? And the one that he had the most effect on, without question, is the judiciary. They reshaped the the judiciary in this country in the image of the Republicans uh, in 2022. And that includes stealing the Supreme Court. This is the most damaging aspect to the Trump presidency. We can set relationships straight with with foreign nations. We can financially make make people whole again. We can put people back to work. We can reverse bad tax code uh, and tax policy. We can do a lot of things to fix the damage that's done. This, you can't just wave a magic wand on. These are lifetime appointments, and it is now a 6-3 conservative Supreme Court. So we're going to find out just how much damage was done to that bedrock institution when we find out whether or not the Supreme Court's actually going to take up this case. Because if we now have a Supreme Court that is willing to step up in a partisan manner and protect their boy, then we no longer have a Supreme Court. The legitimacy and the effectiveness of the Supreme Court as it's currently constituted would mean exactly jack fucking shit. And we kind of need a Supreme Court. So this is going to be a huge, huge test. We are living in unprecedented times right now. We are living in an era in which the Supreme Court was literally stolen before our eyes and the result of that theft led to the overturning of 50 years of settled law in this country, which led to a slew of draconian measures being passed at the state level to the point where now uh, half of this population is now considered cattle for the state. This is the true legacy of the Trump administration. This is the true damage that was done. The Democrats should, they won't, but they should begin impeachment proceedings against multiple Supreme Court justices immediately. 
while simultaneously expanding the court from its current uh, number to 13 to match the number uh, of lower courts that we have. They're not going to. But they should. We should be fighting fire with fire and we should be taking them them on head on. But no, we're going to play the slow game. We're going to play the long game. And in playing the long game, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be decades before we fix this. Because what you now need is you need justices to retire or die in order for them to be replaced. And you need a Democratic president in office to replace them with people who will set this right. This doesn't get fixed in the next two years. This doesn't get fixed in the next five years unless we have a couple of unforeseen deaths and or retirements. And that news right there makes me need to take a hit. So give me one moment. It is so disheartening to see the the permanent damage done by the Trump administration on our judicial system. The permanent damage done by everybody who just couldn't bring themselves to vote for Hillary Clinton because of her emails. Well, she's corrupt. She's been in politics forever. She's, she's, motherfucker, this is what you get. And now we're all sitting around waiting to see just how far this court is willing to take it. I'm going to say it again. I've been saying it over and over and over again, and I cannot say it enough. You need to get your fucking ass to the polls on election day. You need to. You need to. You need to. If we show up, they lose. Period. Do you know why? There are more of us than there are them. It's just the way it is. Are there more far left people? No. There are more people that are just left of center that can make the difference here. The majority of this country, they don't give a fuck who's sleeping with who. They don't give a fuck who's married to who. They don't give a fuck what you're putting in your body. They don't give a fuck what you do with your free time. They don't give a fuck what you do behind your closed doors. They don't give a fuck where you work, how you make your money, what you do with your life. They just want to live their life peacefully without anybody coming after them in a safe town where their kids can ride around the block and go to a good school. That's what they want. That's what the majority of this country wants. They don't want this extremism on either side. But it's going to take a shitload of us continuing to show up at the polls to continue to send a message 
over and over and over again, election cycle after election cycle after election cycle, that we are not going to tolerate this shit. And it starts in, what, 30, 35 days? Less than? I mean, that's it. We're up against it. We're a month away from Election Day. And if you say you can't bother to be getting to the polls, you can't bother to take some time out of your day to get over there and vote, ah, the line's too long, ah, the weather's bad, ah, I got other shit I'd rather do, then this is what you're going to get. But if we show up and we vote in mass, we can reverse this. It's going to take time. It's not going to happen in an election cycle. But it's only going to get worse if we stop showing up to the polls now. we got to keep sending a message over and over and over again that we're not going to vote for the extremists. And hopefully, by the time my son is having a son... And I pick my son because he's the youngest of the group. Hopefully by the time my son is having a son, we will have gotten to the point where we can set this straight. Enough members of the Supreme Court will have vacated their seats one way or another, and and enough good justices will be nominated and confirmed to take their place that we can right these wrongs. But it's going to take a minute. And it's going to take all of us voting. We shouldn't be sitting here in 2022 wondering whether or not the Supreme Court of the United States is going to back a man who attempted to overthrow our own government because he appointed three of them. That shouldn't be a thing. That shouldn't be a thought that ever crosses our mind. But that is the reality of the situation we find ourselves in right now, October 7th, 2022. Is the Supreme Court going to protect the former president for breaking the law? The path on how we got here is fucking insane. Fucking insane. But... Here we are. So now we all hold our breath. We all wait and see what the Supreme Court's doing. And we all, all of us start talking to our relatives, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers. And we start asking them, what's your plan on Election Day? Are you voting on Election Day? Are you registered to vote? You're going to get out there and vote, right? You need a ride? You want to go together? How about we get a bunch of people together? Let's make sure we get out there and vote. We need to be talking to people. Use your social media platforms. I don't give a fuck if you've got 500 followers or 500 million followers. Use your voice to tell people to get out there and vote. Drive somebody to the polls if you need to. Is there somebody in your town that you know would love to vote but doesn't have transportation? Maybe they're a little bit older. Maybe they're disabled in some way, shape, or form. See if you can get them to the polls. It's the only way we're going to reverse this shit. We're a month away, man. 
We're a month away from seeing what this country is really made about. We've won two election cycles in a row. We had a big midterm win in 2018, and we had a massive presidential win in 2020. That's two election cycles in a row. We can win this election cycle, too, if we mobilize, if we get out the vote, if we show up in the numbers that we know we have. We don't have to sit around talking about news stories that involve the Supreme Court being as crooked as they are. So make sure you get out there and vote. Please. It is the one right we have been given that gives us power over our own government. People keep forgetting that the government isn't some other entity. We are the government. We pick our officials. The government is us. We have just forgotten that we have that power, that we control this game. It's time we remember. Just like it's time you remember to get out there and get yourself a pitcher of margaritas in honor of my soon-to-be expanded anus. I got to be honest with you, folks. I'm going to tell you something that I haven't said to anybody yet, including my wife. Okay? And I, I hesitated saying this on here. Uh, because I, I don't want my wife to freak out. I don't want her to be nervous. But I'm a little nervous. I'm, a, I'm not nervous for the procedure. I know people have this done and they're fine and they wake up for it. I'm nervous they're going to find something. And I didn't want to say that on here because I was nervous that my wife was going to hear that and be like, well, why didn't you say something? Because I don't, listen, my job right now is to create a a stress-free environment for my wife. Not because my wife told me that that's my job. She never has said anything of the sort. It is because it is what is best for her right now, is to keep as much stress off of her as humanly possible. But I wanted to say it before the actual procedure took place. I, I'm I'm worried. I'm nervous they're going to find something. And I don't know why it's easier for me to say this to a microphone instead of a person in a room with nobody in it instead of with loved ones around me. But I am nervous. I abuse the fuck out of my body and I'm surprised something like this hasn't been found on me already and I'm just worried that now that they're starting to poke around that they're going to actually find something and I understand that the reason why they're poking around at the age of 50 without the signs of anything is so that they can find something early and attack it early and I get that modern science I'm just not ready to die 
And I'm working myself up for no fucking reason. I get it. And believe me, I'm going to be fine when I go into the procedure. I'm not going to be worked up like I was with my eye. I'm going to be okay. I know that the procedure is going to go smooth. I know that it's going to go bing, bang, boom, and then I'm going to have an answer uh, uh, by by Monday night. I know that somebody's going to come talk to me and be like, hey, we didn't find anything. Hey, we found something small. Hey, we found something big. It, there's just a worry that they're going to find something. And excuse me. My worry is kind of twofold. It's that they're going to find something that's going to be the beginning of the demise, the end of my life. And two, if they find something, what that does to my family. Because if there's one thing that I do try to do, it's protect my family. I try to protect my wife and kids at all costs. I try to keep the stress away from them. And make sure things are taken care of yeah I'll grab that for you from the store yeah I'll add that to my list don't worry about it I'll move your laundry over go ahead and get out of here I'll take care of it I've got it I want to be the kind of husband and father that's there to protect his family that's there to be at the helm that's there to guide us through the shit that life brings to you. I don't want to be the husband or father that everybody else has to take care of. Everybody else has to get to and from radiation and chemo and everything else. And I yeah, I, I know people are listening to this and probably thinking to themselves, dude, you don't they haven't even done the procedure. You don't know that they're gonna find anything and they're probably gonna find nothing. I get it. There's that possibility in the back of my head that I've been thinking about. I just don't want Monday to be the day that alters the course of my family's life forever. I'm, I'm aware that that day is going to come. I'm just not ready for it to be here yet. That's all. I got too much shit I want to do. I'm not done yet. I haven't walked a single child down the aisle. I haven't been to the hospital for a single grandchild's birth. Hell, I just met one of my daughters and both of my existing grandchildren as well as my son-in-law. I just met them this year. Just not ready yet. So while Monday has me spooked 
so to speak, fitting for the season we're in. I'm also very much looking forward to it so that I can get an answer. Did you find anything in me? There was a point in time in my life where I would have fought every single one of the various procedures that I've had over the last two years. Now I'm like, okay, let's figure out what we need to figure out to find out what we need to find out. When they told me last year that they needed to get a... uh, a camera view of the inside of my bladder and the way that they were going to do that was by going up my dick hole with a camera. Ten years ago, I would have looked at that guy and said, you can go fuck yourself. Last year, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound pleasant. But I guess if you say we got to get it done, we got to get it done to make sure. So... I'm going to go on Monday. I'm going to hold my head up. Walk in there knowing that I did everything that they asked me to do. Have them give me the shit that they need to give me to make me go uh, sleepy sleepy. And then hopefully wake up to some good news. All right. All right. Sorry for getting all fucking real on you there in the last 10 minutes. Uh, It's just something that's been on the back of my head, and I don't want to weigh my family down with it. So, as I've said a million times, you guys are my therapy. You're my fucking bartender. I can unload on you. And then leave my shit behind and not carry it with me. So, thank you for letting me unload yet again. I'm sure it won't be the last time in the years to come. And unless something major changes in my life, I plan on doing this for a hot minute. So, I appreciate you guys listening. I I really do. Uh, That's all I got for you this week, man. That's all I got for you this week. If you're if you're having a long weekend this weekend because of the the uh, the holiday on Monday, then uh, enjoy your long weekend. Uh, I will see you guys on this podcast next week on Friday. Tune in to listen, and as always, until then, stay grateful. <laughs>